want to welcome you to our service today. Glad to have you with us. Glad to have our virtual St. James congregation. Hope that God will minister to you today. It's exciting to be with you this morning. We have an hour of power-packed service. And we hope you invite the Holy Spirit to come into your homes this morning as we worship together, as we continue to do the work of the church in the midst of this um, um, coronavirus pandemic. Um, hope you're doing well. I hope um, your family is doing well. And I hope that, um, that, that God is ministering to you in a special way and, and hope that his presence is reaching out to you. This morning, as we gather for worship in God's house, um, we can have worship, and God ministers to us where we are. We're not limited by God is not limited by a building uh, with a pulpit or or pews. God, we are the church, and God can come and minister to us in our homes. And I hope you will invite this morning as we begin our worship today that you invite the Holy Spirit to come and and. Uh, in, into your homes today and, and allow him to minister to you. Um, we, will, we will be having Bible study on Wednesday night. It, there will be a time change. We're going to be having Bible study at 6 o'clock Wednesday night, and we'll be studying uh, Revelation chapter 5. Um, Bible study Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, and we'll be studying Revelation chapter 5. We have completed Revelation 1, 2, and 3, and we completed chapter 4 last week, and then this week we'll be looking at chapter 5, and that is the beginning of the scroll judgments. We have in chapter 5 the opening of the seal. We see Jesus coming, uh, and he's the only one in heaven. We see we see God handing um, the, the throne over to Jesus, and Jesus takes it from there, and Jesus begins to judge the world by opening the scroll of judgments. So that begins in chapter 5, and we'll be covering, covering that Wednesday night. I want to thank Steve Wakeland this morning for we, we added something new to our streaming services. Um, I want to thank Steve Wakeland this morning for, for um, leading us in our Sunday school hour. Um, we'll be, we'll be, um, he'll be doing that through the month of May as we are... We are um, Still, I guess you would say quarantined um, due to the um, coronavirus. So I want to thank Steve for him to um, for his his leadership in that area, so we can at least have Sunday school as well. And hope you'll tune in on Sunday mornings at ten o'clock a.m. for our Sunday school time with Steve. Um, as we begin our worship this morning, let us join together um, in the Apostles' Creed, and it's found on page eight eighty one in your hymnals. And after we, we join together in, in affirming our faith, we're going to sing together the glory of poetry, which is number 70 in our hymnal. So I invite you to join me this morning as we come together to affirm and confess our faith through the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed, which is found on page 881 in our hymnal. Let us join together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence you shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now um, on your screen, you're going to have the words to the glory of poetry, and let's sing together um, our, our, um, the glory of poetry, which is number 70 in our, in our hymnal. I invite you this morning to, to join with us as we sing our first hymn of our worship service. It's hymn number 327 in our hymnal. The words are going to come up for you in the, on, on the screen, and we're going to sing together. Our first hymn today is Crown Him with Many Crowns. Let us sing together.
praise the Lord, it's good to be able to crown him with many crowns. That him came out of Revelation as we see the glorified Christ and we see him crowned. And we see in Revelation chapter 4, the 24 elders that sit around God's throne, they have, they have been given crowns and they throw their, cast their crowns at the feet of Jesus. So that hymn that we just sang this morning uh, is, a, is a hymn that was written um, from Revelation 19:12, as we see Jesus coming um, at the second coming, you know there are two dis- two distinct visitations that Jesus makes uh, after the resurrection and the rapture, and then he makes the second c- coming where he comes from from heaven to earth, um, and this is the hymn that celebrates his second coming. Now as as we gather together at this time of our worship, let us come together to join our hearts and minds in prayer. Let us um, take a few moments uh, to bow our heads and close our eyes and commune with God collectively. Um, we may be separated, um, but there is no distance in prayer. Um, there, there is. We can join together even though we're here at the church. I'm here at the church. I can. We can join together. Where you are um, across the, the county and across the state, we, we, wherever you're listening, um, take a few moments to, um, to, to get ready to come into prayer, to commune with God and, and to seek God's will um, in all of our lives. Um, and before we pray, I want to lift up a couple of um, prayer requests. I want to pray for Tammy, I want to pray for Pam, and we want to lift up Tony. Um, this morning, we'll call their names out before the throne of grace today. Um, let us pray together. God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. We come before you this morning as we pause in prayer. We thank you for this time that we can draw near to your throne of grace. And we thank you this morning that there is power in prayer. And we lift our voices together collectively as we seek your guidance and your wisdom in all all of our lives. We seek your direction during this time of uncertainty. We come together this morning to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch and minister to us. Give us a fresh anointing of your power. Fellowship with us this morning, Lord. 
and give us strength. Lift us up and be present with us. Abide with us, Lord, and help us to be still in our lives to know that you are God. We give, as we come together in prayer at this time of social distancing, we give you praise this morning that you are not limited in the context of your power. For you are omnipresent and omnipotent. You are the same today, yesterday, and forever. And Jesus taught us that when two or more are gathered together in his name, wherever they are, they could be in the church house, sitting on the steps in the park or on the sofa, the back porch, or at the kitchen table. He promised that he would always be present with us in the midst or in the center when we come together in his name. We ask you, Lord, to be present in every home, every, at every kitchen table, upon every back porch, in every den, in every sofa, across the homes of our virtual congregation this morning. We call on you today. Hear our prayer. You teach us from the promises of your word to seek, to ask, and to knock. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find, and knock, and the door shall be opened. Lord, we stand before the open door in heaven this morning. We hear you knocking on the door of our heart. We hear the trumpet sounding and your voice inviting us to come to be where you are because you have gone ahead to prepare a place for us so that where you are, we can be also. We thank you, Lord, this morning that there is an open door to heaven that it's open because a way has been made for us on Calvary's cross through Jesus' agonizing death. And through his shed blood, he has made a path for us to God's presence. We can come boldly now to stand before the throne of grace. While this door remains open, Help us this morning, Lord, to surrender our lives over to you. If there are areas that we have not surrendered, help us to surrender them today. Help us to make a decision to follow Christ as our Lord and Savior. We know, Lord, that there's a day coming that that door will close. As we remember the story of Noah, Noah built the ark, and the day came when him and his family boarded the ark, and God closed the door, and the floodwaters came. We know, Lord, that time is short for your return. Every day, we're growing closer and closer to your return for your church. And, when the, and then when the trumpet sounds and we're changed, that door closes for the opportunity for us to escape the wrath to come. 
We ask you, Lord, this morning that you would bless all the members of our St. James Church family. Be with those persons that are listening along with us in our virtual congregation. Bless each person with your love and grace and draw close to them and be real to them during this time of the coronavirus pandemic. Unite us together, even though we're separated with love. As we follow your commands to love our neighbors as ourselves. We give you praise that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whether we're ready for it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, it shall be done. We continue to lift up during this time all those affected by the coronavirus. Those that are sick, those caring for the loved ones. And we lift up those that are grieving the loss of loved ones who have perished due to the coronavirus. We continue to lift up our national and state leaders during this time of crisis. We continue to lift up our community. We can community to lift up all workers today because all workers are essential workers. We pray for those this, this morning that have lost jobs due, the, due to this crisis and those that are in financial need. We thank you, Lord, that you have a plan of recovery for our nation and for the world. Just like the, you led the prophets of old, you're going to lead us, and that you have not forsaken us or abandoned us, but, you're, but you're, you're working for our good. We thank you, Lord, this morning that you're working our best in this time of tragedy. Although we cannot see it, the Word of God reminds us that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purposes. We thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer today, and we come now to pray together the prayer that Jesus taught all of God's children to pray together as He taught them to pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now at this time we have Steve is going to come and share our children's time, so I want to ask all the children to come together and, and to listen and to gather around, because Steve's going to come and bring our children's time for us this morning. Good morning, boys and girls, and all your parents. Grandparents are out there also listening. We appreciate uh, you all being here today. I'm here at the pulpit. You're going to have to visualize today's lesson. Children's moment. Uh, the children's moment scripture for today, I'm taking out of Ephesians. Ephesians 6, verse 10, which talks about the armor of God. Now, we all know what armor looks like. We've watched a lot of programs, looked at books. We think of the, the knights and all the armor they have on. Well, God does the same thing for us. He puts 
if we believe in the Lord and believe what the Holy Spirit can do for us, we keep this armor on. I want to read uh, from Ephesians, and then I'm going to do a little practical application here, which you have to use your imagination. Uh, Ephesians 6.10, I'm going to read, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the vials of the devil. For we wrestle, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wicked in heavenly places. Therefore, take up your whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. When we put on this armor of God, it's like this invisible shield that we have that helps protect us against the evils of the world. When we, when we go out in here, when we study our Bibles, we know as young children and as adults what's right and what's wrong. Uh, when we're out with other people, I remember as a young teenager, there were certain things my parents told me, you know, before I went out with my friends and got old enough to ride in cars. They said, remember, you don't drink alcohol and drive. You don't drink, you don't ride with anybody that drinks alcohol. Uh, when we study our scriptures, we know when we're in school and children, uh, we've observed maybe someone steals something. We know that that's wrong. The Spirit leads us and guides us and helps protect us from doing right from wrong. My illustration today is I actually have a, I do have an illustration. I've got a bag of mandarin tangerines or oranges or whatever you want to call it. I got them up here at the lecture, uh, the podium where John stands. I have two oranges, tangerines or whatever you want to call them. I've got one here that's got the skin on it. And I'm going to put it, and you can do this at home, maybe not right this minute, but you can uh, get you a pitcher of I have two pitchers of water. And I have this tangerine. It's got the skin on it. I'm going to put that tangerine in this pitcher of water or a big glass. And when I put it in there, guess what happens? It drops in, and it comes right to the top. It's floating on the top, just as happy as an orange could be. I've got another tangerine, and what I'm going to do with it, I'm going to peel the skin off just like you would if you're going to eat it. Now, don't eat it. You've got a whole tangerine with the skin off. You're going to take another pitcher, and you're going to drop that in. And what happens? It comes in, it pops up, and then it slowly starts to sink. Now, yours may not sink immediately, but you leave it there, and it's going to start. Matter of fact, mine's starting to sink now. What happens is, this is an illustration of that armor of God. You know, when the tangerine has that skin on, it's kind of like the armor of God. It protects it, keeps it from drowning. When we don't have the armor of God on, we're going to sink. Sink in the depths of doing wrong when we should be doing right falling deeper and deeper into that trap of sin that the devil tries to get us in. 
So this is just a simple illustration for you at home. Try this later on. Uh, A simple illustration of what the armor of God does for us. And just remind us that all we got to do is each day is when we get up, open up with a word of prayer, thank the Lord for the many blessings we have, and ask for protection. Throughout the day, when we're tempted, or when other people tempt us, or when the devil gets on our shoulder, we can tell him to get off our shoulder and leave us alone because we have the power of the Holy Spirit will help guide us. Let us close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the armor of God, your armor you help put on us each day to help protect us. Help us continue to study your word to help that armor continue to be strong and withstand all those arrows from the devil. We say this in Jesus' name, amen. That's all for today, and I imagine Kevin's going to get to do next week, bring you some wonderful children's sermon. Thanks very much. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate you uh, sharing our um, children's time with us this morning. Now let us join together in singing our next hymn. It's hymn number 117, O God, Our Help in Ages Past. The words are going to come up for you on your screen, and let's join together in singing our next hymn. And our hymnal is number 117, O God, Our Help in Ages Past. Our God, oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Amen. What a wonderful hymn that sings the, uh, that teaches us and leads us in the divine providence and provisions of, of our Lord God. This morning, our scripture, as we come together to, to um, for, 
for the reading of God's word this morning. Our scripture is from Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And this morning I'm preaching about the open door. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, copyright 1982, Thomas Nelson Publishers. Let's join together this morning as, as, we, as we look at God's word from Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, as it teaches us about the open door to heaven. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Open our hearts this morning, Lord. To receive your word, break open the fallow ground so that we might hear your word and practice and put our faith into action. Give us ears to hear and open hearts to receive your word. Make it come alive so our lives may be transformed into being doers of your word and not just hearers alone. We thank you this morning for the open door that has been prepared for us through the cross. And it is only through Jesus that we can pass through it. We can't climb a ladder. We can't walk the stairway of heaven. Only Jesus can give us entry. Speak to us this morning, Lord. Teach us about the door that leads us to heaven, that is open. for our lives. We ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. In our scripture today, the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, he has a vision of an open door. He sees this open door appear to him in heaven and he hears a voice and a trumpet inviting him to pass through this door. And as you read Revelation chapter 4, you see that John passes through the door and the door leads to, the, to heaven and it leads him to the presence of God. It, it leads him before the throne of God and, and he, he is allowed to see how the end time will transpire. But this morning, I want to look at that door that is opened. And right now, that door is opened to us. It stays open because there is no barrier between us and God. God has opened that door, which for many, for, for, for many ages has remained closed. 
But this morning, I'm going to tell you about the good news that that door is open because of the power of the cross. And by the blood of Jesus, that door is open so that we can access the throne of God, that we can come boldly into God's presence, just as John shows us in, in our scripture. See, when we, when we come together in prayer, we stand in the midst of God's presence. We come stand before him just as John does in, in our text today. The, the word of God speaks to us about an open door, and it, and it speaks to us about closed doors. God sometimes communicates to us through open doors, and sometimes God communicates to us by closing doors. Jesus, in Revelation 3.20, the Bible says that Jesus is always knocking on the door of our heart. He's knocking to get our attention. Did we hear him knocking this morning, church family? Do you feel the leading of the Holy Spirit upon your soul this morning? Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone who hears the sound of my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him or her, and they will dine with me. You see that the door that Jesus is knocking at, it only has a doorknob on our side. There is not a doorknob on the outside where Jesus is knocking. The doorknob, the way to open the door, is on our side. So we have to open the door and let him in. Jesus is never going to force himself upon us. He's never going to demand that we believe in him. He's never going to push us into salvation. We have to do that ourselves. He's already provided the way to God. We have to make our own life and make a commitment to him, and we have to open the door and let him into our lives but we have the blessing that he promises us when we do. He will come in and be with us, and we will be with him. He would sit at our table, and we will dine with him and he with us. But this morning is, this morning, have we opened the door to Jesus, and we, have we invited him in? Open doors in the Bible symbolize opportunities. They symbolize blessings. They symbolize provision, and they symbolize divine providence. They reveal to us, the open doors reveal to us that God's promise is coming to pass. We need to get up and do something about it. Open doors tell us that, that promotion that we've been praying for is on the way. The open doors, they speak that the financial miracle that, we, that, we're all been pray, that we've been praying about in our lives is is coming available. The door is coming open. God has put that money into, the, into our bank account. The, the open door in, in the Bible speaks to us about the, there, the path to answer prayer, that prayer that we've been, been praying about, seeking God about. Finally, the door is coming open. Miracles abound through the open door. Our need is just beyond that door. God always has doors open to his house. 
God always has the door open to heaven. God never closes or locks the door. The Bible speaks, too, of closed doors. Sometimes God speaks to us through a closed door. Closed door reveal his will to us. A closed door is a sign that God does not want us there yet. A closed door is a sign that we, that, that we waited too long and the, and the opportunity has expired. A closed door symbolizes that God has another path or another plan for us to walk through. And that door, what's behind that door, is not for, is not for us. It also could mean a closed door is also a sign that God's hand is protecting us from what lies on the other side of that door that can destroy our life. And God knows better than we do because he knows what's on the other side of the door. It could be a closed door. could be a, a, a God speaking to us and telling us that danger, danger is on the other side. Don't go in there. Remember what God told Cain? He said, sin is crouching at the door. Sin is ready to strike and devour us when we pass through that door that is closed. A closed door is God's way of communicating to us that it's not our best entrance to pass through the door. It's not the right timing for us. The closed door is God's way of saying, no, move on to something else. But how many times in our lives uh, have we responded to God with stubbornness, that we do not listen to God and we do not heed his voice, and we press on to try to get that door open because we think we know better than God. But there's a reason why God has closed that door, so we need to take a hint. But sometimes, so often, we can't take no for an answer. We think we know better than God, and so we push and we push that door up against the door. We try to batter it down with a battering ram. We try to use TNT with our life because we think that, that we, what we need is on the other side of that door. We think that the opportunity is there for us. It's a good opportunity for us. What does God know? And so we keep on pressing at that door. We, 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 keep on, we keep on trying to bulldoze that door down, <laughs> trying to get that door open. We think, oh, we got, we're going to have a better life if we just get beyond that door. So our life is spent battering our head against that, that locked door. And then one, day, then one day we finally push that door in, we finally kick that door in, and what happens when we do is that we unlock shame, we unlock heartache, we, are, we, 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 we unlock desperation, we, we unlock depression, we, we unlock depression, disappointment, and we unlock pain. We open up a Pandora's box, beset, and we beset consequences in our life that should have remained closed. That's the reason why God has closed that door, because it's not for us to go behind it. How many times in my own life have I regretted going through a closed door? See, God knows better than we do. And when God closes the door, we need to respect that closed door and move on to something else in our lives because God has closed that door for a reason. We don't need to be pressing up against it, trying to get it open. We need to, we need to, we need to accept what God has said, and we, we need to live with it, and we need to move on 
and we need to ask and we need to ask God to lead us to where he wants us to be in this life. The first door that the Bible tells us about is in, in found in Genesis 7:16. It is the door to the ark. See God appears to Noah one day and says that he's going to destroy the world. He's going to judge the world with a worldwide flood. And so Noah finds is righteous, the only only righteous person. And so God tells so God tells Noah and to to deliver himself and his family from the wrath to come. He instructs Noah to build this huge boat called an ark. So the Bible says it takes Noah 100 years to build the ark. 100 years to complete it. And so after Noah completes the ark and he has all the animals aboard the ark, him and his family climb aboard the ark. And the Bible says in Genesis, and it's interesting that in Genesis 7, 16, the Bible tells us that God closes the door. That when, as soon as Noah and his family are aboard the ark, the Bible says that God shows up and he closes the door. And the, and the moment that God shows up and closes the door to the ark, it starts to rain. And the rivers start to rise. The oceans start to rise. And the world is flooded. You see, the door to the ark could only be opened from the inside. Nobody could open that ark, the door to the ark, unless it was open from the inside. The people on the outside could not get in because there was no way for them to end. God sealed Noah and protected him and his family from the wrath to come. See, Jesus came and he spoke of another door, an open door to heaven. Jacob saw this door in a dream. Jacob saw a ladder coming down from heaven with angels descending and ascending toward the earth. But this ladder that Jacob saw was not meant for us to climb. It was a foreshadowing, a foretelling of what was about to come. See, Jacob later had his name changed to Israel. And the reason why Jacob had this dream in the first place was that God's plan of salvation was going to come through Jacob's house, through Israel. See, God was going to send a Messiah, Jesus Christ, through the line of the house of Israel. And so God was giving Jacob a preview about, of how salvation and redemption was going to come in, the, come in the world. And so he had this dream of this ladder coming from heaven down to earth with angels coming, was descending and ascending on this ladder. Well, this ladder was in fact a symbol or representation of what Jacob saw was not a ladder, but it was Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus came to restore the broken relationship between us and God that had been broken in the Garden of Eden. When Adam sinned, the relationship was separated because of sin, and God could not come in to where sin abounded. So, so there was a separation. Jesus is the ladder that reaches to heaven and touches earth. The ladder is in self symbolic of the cross. As Jesus died, the gap that separated us and God was linked and restored because Jesus offered himself as a ransom for many. Many people today have tried to climb the stairway to heaven. How often have I heard that before? Trying to climb the stairway to heaven. 
trying to get into God's grace. Except, my friend, there's no such thing as a stairway to heaven. Was there a stairway in John's vision? No. Did you see a stairway going into the, the open door? Nope. No, he just saw this vision of a door just appear out of nowhere in space. You see, there are a lot of people today that have been bent on trying to find and climb the stairway to heaven. A rock group sang a song about climbing the stairway to heaven in the 80s, and Bob Dylan sang a song about knocking on heaven's door. But Jesus said that there is no that there there that there is only one path to God through the open door, and there's not a stairway to get there. At this time, there was no way to God. There was no entrance. There was no entry, no way into God's presence. There was no open door to heaven. But Jesus said in John 14, 3, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again so that where I am, you can be also. Where was Jesus going and what was he going to prepare? See, Jesus was going to prepare a place for us in God's presence, in God's house, at God's banquet table. See, the door to humanity was closed and locked because of sin. We could not come into God's presence and we could not come into God's house because of our sin. We had to be changed. Sacrifices, sacrifices made the windows of heaven come open temporarily, but it never opened the door. If you read in the the scripture in Malachi that when we bring our tithes and offerings, at that time God says what? I opened up the windows of heaven. He doesn't say anything about the door to heaven he says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing, blessing upon you, which you cannot contain. But see, God opened the, door, the windows of heaven, but not the door to heaven, not the door to his house. Because, see, humankind had to be changed. They still had the sin issue, the sin problem. And sin, the Bible says, separates us from God. Jesus made a way to open the door to heaven through his death on Calvary's cross. And through his death and through the shedding of his blood, we can gain entry into God's house. That's what he was telling us in John 14, 3. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, you can be what? Also, see, Jesus, through his death on the cross, he prepared a way, an entry into God's house so that where he is, we can be also, which means he's telling us this morning that we can come where he is in the presence of God. Amen. Let's give him praise. And you know, this morning, that door still is open. There's still a, 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 access point to God, still an entryway into God's presence. Jesus said, narrow is the path that lead that narrow is the path that leads to righteousness, but wide is the road that leads to destruction. Jesus said in John 10 verses 1 and 2 and 7 and 9, and this is from the New, the New King James Version, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come, came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. Now in this, in this teaching, what is Jesus telling us about the sheep gate? But the sheep gate and the sheepfold is another, is symbolic of heaven. What Jesus is telling us and his listeners, he's saying, I'm the only way to get into heaven. I'm the door that leads to God. I am the path that leads to heaven. And a lot of times today in our pluralistic world, you know, people, people, you know, are offended when we go around saying Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, the Bible says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So, you know, that's what he says, and I believe it, and he's the only way to get to heaven. And so he's telling us right here, he says, everybody that came before me is what? A liar, a thief, a robber. Jesus said, I'm the only way to the sheepfold. I'm I'm the only passage. I'm the only door. You see, he says, he says that the folks that, that he said, he doesn't say anything about what climbing up a stairway to, to get into heaven, does he? See, that's what people try to do is they try to climb that stairway to heaven. But, but it only leads to destruction. See, John in his vision does not see a stairway to heaven. But he sees the open door. So how do we get through the door to heaven? We get there through Jesus. He is the door that leads us to God. He is the only pathway. There is no other way. You cannot climb the stairway to heaven to get in God's presence. Jesus said, I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And I am the only way to get to God. I am the door to eternity, and I am the only way in. I'm the only path to God's presence. <coughs> you know, today we've been deceived by religion. You know, religion has come along to try to convince us that through our efforts, our creeds, our dogmas, our church attendance, our practices, and our works can get us into God's presence, and they can get us on God's good side, and they can get, get us God to love us and like us, and and we can receive God's favor, you know. Religion teaches us that our efforts, and through our efforts, God will, God will notice us and love us and care about us. But nothing can be further from the truth. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, good words, good news. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow, isn't that liberating this morning, church family? That while we were still sinners, God did what? He loved us. He liked us. He sent us his favor. And he wanted us to get saved. So he made provisions for us to get saved. That he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. So we can never do anything to earn God's love, work, or work for his favor. <coughs> because it is given to us through the cross through grace. Isn't that a paradox?
Grace is unmerited, undeserved, and unearned favor. See, religion teaches us that we have to work. We have to sweat. We got to work hard. We got to pray all the time. Read our Bible all the time. Got to go to church all the time. Got to live a righteous life all the time. Got to do the Ten Commandments all the time. <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you feel close to God by doing that? See, what happens is, 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 we, is it's, not about reli- it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. See, God gives us his grace liberally and freely to all those that will receive it by faith. See, religion is not the source of our salvation. Jesus is. Religion cannot save our soul from hell. Only Jesus can. Jesus has the key. He has the key on the key belt. And he can let you out of eternal torment and punishment because he's got the key. In Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9, man tried to come together on the plain called Shinar and build a tower. The tower was called Babel. See, mankind believed that it could, through its own works and own practices, and build this tower, it it would provide him a path to heaven. They didn't have to go through the door. Didn't need God. They believed that, that, that through this tower, they would build a stairway to heaven. And man believed that climbing this tower, he would achieve his own holiness and be deified like God. But what happened? The attempt failed. It didn't work. Religion, my friends, cannot save us. It cannot make us holy. It cannot make us closer to God. We cannot obtain God's favor through religion. Religion is a deception. It is a lie. Religion is not a path or a source to God. Jesus is the only path to righteousness. Righteousness and holy, holiness come to us through the cross. <laughs> this is the most craziest thing I have ever heard when you read Scripture, but it is true. Jesus became one of us so that we could become... <coughs> Like him, I'll say that, isn't that a paradox? Isn't that crazy? That Jesus became one of us so that we can become like him. See, Jesus on the cross became like Adam. He took upon all of Adam's sins. The Bible says that the penalties of sin is death. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus came into our world who knew no sin. He was sinless, and he was perfect in every way. But he took upon Adam's nature, the sin nature, on the cross. And the Bible says in Romans 5, verses 12 through 21, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin, for unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even other those who have not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who, has, who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace of the, of the one man, Jesus Christ, abandoned to many. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. 
Even so, through one man's righteousness at the free will came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, and also by one man's obedience many were made righteous. Moreover, the law extended, entered the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a scripture. What a verse. What power. What promise it reveals to us this morning. It tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of our sins away, every last sin that we would ever commit, past, present, and future, the ones that we yet to have committed. Jesus took them all away. He took, all, he took Adam's nature away from us. And then on the cross, when he shed his blood to die for us, what happened is we took what? His nature. Wow. We, so people try to work and sweat, try to be holy. But guess what? You're already holy because Jesus has made you holy. And that, that, not, that almost sounds sacrilegious. But folks, let me tell you, when, when we were born into the world, we were born of sinners and need the divine grace. But when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what happens is, is we, we take upon his nature we take upon his nature so that we, so as he is, so are we. And we take upon his holiness in our lives. Isn't that crazy to think that we out here trying to work for holy, be holy and have God's favor when it's already given to us through grace? Isn't that, isn't that crazy what religion does to us? My friend, salvation is not playing let's make a deal with our eternal soul. Let's see what's behind door number one or door number two or door number three and find out where we'll spend eternity some folks, when they play Let's Make a Deal, they get, the point, get disappointed because they picked the wrong door. God does not play Russian roulette with our very soul. God tells us up front the plan of salvation. Jesus is the only way to heaven. You can't get there. You can't get in. You can't get in this morning, my friend, by climbing that stairway because it don't reach into God's presence. Only through walking through the door can you approach the throne of grace? There is no other path, no other way. Jesus is it. And you don't need a stairway to get there, my friend, because Jesus is going to provide the transportation when the rapture happens. We're going to leave this world behind, but we're not going to have a stairway to get there. He's going to come get us so that where he is, we can be also. Jesus invites us to come. He invites us to be where he is. He's prepared a way for us and he's opened the door. All we got to do is make the decision. All we got to do is walk. All we got to do is decide. All we got to do is make that choice today. This door is standing there right, right there waiting on us, ready for us to walk in. All we got to do is ask Christ into our lives. Are you ready this morning to receive Jesus and to welcome him into your heart? Climbing that old Stairmaster year after year, month after month, week after week, it's not going to do in religion, following religion, it's not going to bring us any closer to God. Only Jesus can do that. But the Bible tells us that one day that door that's open right now the hinges are going to close shut. 
just as the day in the, that Jesus said, just in the days of Noah, so will the last days be like that. It'll be just like living in the days of Noah in the last days, Jesus said, before the flood waters came. People did what? They were married and being given in marriage, and then, boom, the flood waters came and destroyed them all. The Bible says that one day that time is, is coming that God is going to close that door. God, sealed, God closed the door on, 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 for Noah and sealing the people's fate. And one day God is going to close that door. Right now we have the, every opportunity to escape the wrath to come that is called tribulation. Right now we can decide to follow Christ. And when the time comes, whatever it is, and the trumpet sounds, we're going to be ready to pass through that door to be where Jesus is. Are you ready this morning, my friend? Are you ready? Is your life ready to walk through that open door? Don't waste another minute. Get ready today. Use this opportunity and use it wisely. Make good choices. Don't be misled by religion. You open the door. And let Jesus into your life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning we're going to sing together our closing hymn. It's number In our hymnal it's number 398. And the words are going to come up for you. And we're going to sing together, Jesus calls us. Jesus calls us. Calls us. Is he calling you this morning? Is he calling you to rededicate your life? Is he calling you this morning if you hadn't, hadn't received him as Lord? If you've, got, if you've gone astray, is he calling you back home? Let's, let's make, uh, commit our lives, to G, recommit our lives to Jesus this morning as we sing our closing hymn, number 398 in our hymnal. Jesus calls us, and the words are going to come up for you in, uh, on your screen. Let's sing together hymn number 398.
Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus calls us. Do you hear him calling, calling, calling you this morning? Do you hear him calling your life? Do you hear him speaking to you? Do you hear him knocking at your, the door to your heart? If you haven't invited Jesus in this morning, I invite you to let him in. Invite him into your life. Allow him to come in. You know, Jesus already knows you. He already knows your past. He knows everything that you've ever done. But he wants to love you. He loves you already. Jesus does not judge us. But he forgives us when we invite him in. And if you haven't invited him, if you hasn't, hadn't had fellowship with Jesus in a while in your life, invite him in. Let him come in and let him dine with you and you with him. What a glorious time. What a wonderful relationship that we can have with the Lord, even in this time and even in death, my friends. That relationship does not end. When we cease to exist from this life, in the next life, we're still there with him. What a wonderful promise that he makes to us. We're glad that you have um, chosen to be a part of our worship this morning. We hope that you've been blessed by our service. We hope that God's continued presence will minister to you. We invite you to tune in and be with us Wednesday night at 6 o'clock for our Bible study, Revelation Chapter 5, get ready for the beginning of the tribulation period. I know a lot of people are all excited about the tribulation period. That's why they want to turn in, tune into Revelation. So the tribulation period begins Wednesday night as Jesus gets ready to open the, the, scroll, the sealed scroll judgments. So I know you want to make plans to be, be, um, be present with us on Wednesday night. Also next week we'll be having Sunday school at 10 with Steve, and then our worship service will be at 11 a.m. next Sunday. So I know that you'll make a, want to make plans to be here with us. And as, as always, um, all the, the services, um, Kevin has got the, the uh, church website up and running. Um, so all, everything, all the services that we've had uh, while, we have, while we have been uh, sh- shelter in place during the um, coronavirus. All those services are, are available to you. All the Bible studies that we've done are available to you. So all I gotta do is just click on them and you can and you can uh, you can listen to them again. Um, we're glad that you've been with us. Hope you've been blessed. And so invite a friend to join with you next week. Um, and now will you bow for the benediction. God be with us today. Ministered our hearts with your love. Wrap your arms around us and hold us close. Remind us that we that you have not forsaken us, but you're with us even to the end of the age. Hold us close. No matter what we see around us, really help us to know that you've got a plan. That you're going to make things on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven as it is on earth. you got a plan, and your will is going to be done. Help us to be a part of that will, Lord. Help us to be tuned in your voice 
and help us to listen because we know that you got a plan and you're going to work all things out for good to those that love God and call according to your purpose. Now, now bless everybody. Bless our church, our church family. Bless everybody today that is listening. Minister to them your love and grace as we give you praise and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.